Welcome, welcome to Lawyers Are Assholes, a podcast which holds lawyers, prosecutors, and judges accountable for being idiots, or as we like to call them, assholes. Uh, today, we're talking to Matt Moore. Matt was arrested for allegedly staging his wife's suicide, but normally I do a, a summary here before I bring a guest on, but the facts are so compelling, the injustice was so bad that we're going to go right into talking to Matt as soon as we deal with the asshole of the week, but it's very important that, and we're going to put this link in the show notes. You've got to read the book that he wrote. It's called Emily, a stage suicide in Ohio. It's available on Amazon and you'll see it in the show notes. But I mean, you talk about a compelling story. You got to read this book. The asshole of the week is a lawyer named Robert Klinger, a solo practitioner from Cincinnati. Now, what did he do that was so egregious to become the asshole of the week. And uh, he sued a guy named Joseph Edgar Foreman. Now, some of my friends, unfortunately, are going to know who that is right away, but he is commonly known as Afro Man. And Afro Man had a song 20 years ago. It was kind of a weed anthem um, because I got high. And for some reason, because I'm going to get him on, I'm going to get him on the podcast. I take that to the bank. I'm going to get him on the podcast. He was, uh, he is a black rapper that lives in Adams County. But what happened to him uh, was that a judge issued a a restraining or a search warrant, and they raided his house. Um, now we can only assume that uh, the search warrant was given. You know, maybe they thought he was dealing drugs. You know looking for evidence of marijuana, drug paraphernalia. Uh, but anyway, there's seven deputies from Adams County Sheriff's Department that go into his house. Uh, Afro man's not there. His wife is, which is important to the story because she videotapes these officers going through uh, his closets, uh, clothes, dressers, kitchen. Uh, they tore down several doors, and they actually took money uh, from his home. Okay, so then what did what did uh, Afro Man do about that? Well, he took that footage, and he went out on social media, and he called out these cops. By the way, they found nothing. I mean, they found absolutely nothing. If it was me, I would have put all seven of them on a billboard. Uh, so Afro Man goes out, and he does a series of uh, music videos, one of them entitled, Will You Help Me Repair My Door? <laughs> and, and he does... Another one, he released it, it's called Lemon Pound Cake, which was inspired by an officer who's walking around his kitchen eyeing the pound cake on the table. God's honest, God's honest truth. So this lawyer, this Klinger fella, uh, just, I mean, just this in, Mar- in March, files this uh, lawsuit on behalf of, uh, you know what we do, recall them out, uh, Sean Cooley, Justin Cooley, Michael Estep, Sean Grooms, Brian Newland. Lisa Phillips, uh, Randolph Walters. These are all uh, sheriff deputies uh, that busted in the house and were caught on on the video. Now, 
personally, I think you lose your right of privacy if you're busting in a man's house and uh, they take video of you. I mean, what is any different? What is the difference of this than any other video taken on the street other than what was from law enforcement? And so the complaint has, uh, there's so many examples of, of uh, Afro man in the post. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even put this in a pleading because they're so, they're funny and they're just embarrassing. But one of them, one caption on Instagram post is, uh, what's up, fellas? Uh, congratulations to Officer Pound Cake. Thanks for getting 5.4 million hits on TikTok. Couldn't have done it without you. Congratulations. You're famous for all the wrong reasons. Now, what in the hell is wrong with that post? I mean, seriously. So this complaint is alleging that they're using uh, their uh, name and likeness without permission. They also go after the judge a little bit now. Now, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I haven't seen the warrant, uh, so I'm not going to pound on this uh, judge, Judge Gabbert. They call him uh, Roy Droopy Gabbert. They do a post on him, vote him out before he signs a fictitious warrant, uh, then send some overreacting paranoid KK cops, it's spelled KKKOPS, to your house, jeopardizing the lives of your family, stealing your money, um, disconnecting your home service, uh, video service. Now, you know, cops lie. So you you can't necessarily uh, jump on this uh, judge's ass because he was taken, uh, only taking the uh, viewpoint or the information given him to him by these seven, uh, seven sheriff's deputies. And then, you know, Ohio does have unauthorized use of an individual's likeness uh, statute. But I think that goes out the window when they raided his house one. But secondly, you got two other defenses here that that are should be pretty obvious to this guy. You know, it's a news event. I mean, he's you know he's reporting what happened. He's a public figure, which is another thing they've got to overcome. Uh, but but second, it's parody. I mean, you know, there's an exception here. Um, so this lawyer's got an uphill uh, uphill battle. But uh, this is an asshole move. Um, and Robert Klinger, you are an asshole. Welcome, Matt, to Lawyers Are Assholes. Uh, usually in my podcast, I give a, an overview uh, of what's happening, but your case is so complex, so outrageous, uh, so unbelievable. I couldn't do it justice by giving a normal summary of how I would do this. So what, what we're going to do is we're going to go, we're going to go right into talking about the case. Um, You know, in the show notes, people, We'll see that Matt was um, allegedly and wrongfully charged and acquitted for uh, uh, staging his wife's suicide. But I appreciate you coming on. I I, uh, I got the book. We're going to put the book in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, I hope it breaks Amazon's record. People are going to want to read this because they're not going to they're not going to believe the the story. They're just not going to believe what happened to you and the injustices from law enforcement, from prosecutors from your own lawyers, especially the civil lawyers in your case. And we're going to go from, from day one. So, so let's talk about, let's talk about your relationship, how you met your wife and let's tell the story. I met Emily and I'm going to be wrong on dates. It's just my thing. I'm not uh, the best, but I'll do my best it, it, uh, to um, be as truthful I just just know that occasionally I do mess mess up dates and it's not intentional. I believe we we met in fifteen, um, late fifteen on a dating app. I had moved to Columbus 
um, for an educational opportunity for my son, Joey, who was 14 or 15 at the time. Um, and we started dating. I'd been there a month and we met on a, a dating app and we started dating. And, and tell us about her. Tell us about what, how it happened. I mean, the, the, the book is really goes into some detail on the courting process and, and how she embraced your son and the walk us through that initially. I want to, I want to give our listeners a feel for the person that you were accused of murdering. I, I did, I did my best just to be as real and truthful as possible. There's probably things in the book that most people wouldn't want to talk about, but I just told my story as if, I was sitting down with you. It's not like um, I had any intention when I wrote the book. It was just telling my story. And part of that story was, yeah, it was Emily, how she was. Um, as, as, what, what do you want to know? Like, well, I, I want to know, I want to know about her. I want to know, I, I, I want the listeners to know what great relationship you had with her. And that's important to the, facts of the story, you know, usually when uh, spouses are accused of, of killing a spouse, you know, it's a, they want to get rid of them for a specific reason or they, they, they hate each other or, but you guys yeah, had, there, a, had there a tremendous none, relationship. There was none, there was no hate. Emily and I loved each other. Uh, it was a complicated relationship, just like any relationship is complicated. But as far as in any violence or any ill will towards each other find it it's not there i have all our text messages um transcripts read them um i have them if you if anybody wants to read them i have them for you there's no there was no ill will at all in our relationship she was really really mellow and so was i so we kind of we both had problems we both had uh trauma in our past so we when we met we we, uh, well, let's talk about that a little bit. You went through a divorce. She had had uh, the suicide issues. Talk to us about that. Yes, she. She. I had. I lost my first son, Palmer, when I was 29, and that was just that was uh, a huge trauma in my life. Um, I lost a brother, um, my only brother at the time, when I was in uh, when we were teenagers. Um, so I had some things. Emily had, she, she had, I say it in the book, she had, um, she had childhood trauma. Um, right, right. Well, you say, you say in, in her, the book, she had the sexual abuse, right. suicide in her family as well. Her, her first husband committed suicide. She, um, she had friends that committed suicide. Right. Um, if you knew Emily at any level, it's hard for me to believe that you didn't know that she had issues. And it wasn't like my son was sick. He had, my son committed suicide, Joey. He had um, schizophrenia, which is, Emily didn't have any of, she wasn't sick like Joey. Emily knew exactly what she was doing all the time. And if you know her, if you knew her, you'd know that that she was, that that's the way she was. Um, Well, the reason I want to give this background, Matt, is, and we're going to get to it in detail, but it's something that, that the investigating uh, officers of Westerville Police Department really never looked at, right? I mean, even after you came, 
clean. They they just never looked at at these past issues. Yeah, I know. I don't. I don't need to have. I'm not going to. I try not to. <laughs> I try not to tell you what they they were doing. I I it, it appeared to me that they did not. Right. And, um, they did everything they could do to keep that element out of our story. Was that Emily was had emotional problems. Right. Right. So, I mean, we can sum it up. I mean, you, you, you had a loving relationship. There were issues as, as in any marriage in the relationship, but not, not any issues that would, would lead the police to believe in any way, shape or form that you would kill her. I mean, there just were, were no factors. There were no factors. I don't know. I, 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 they literally cherry picked. 500 pages of text messaging and they found maybe 10 pages and if you can, they read them at trial. I mean, there's such, there's no violence. There's no, Hey, she said once she was afraid to come home, she was afraid to come home. If you keep reading the text, text messages, um, if you keep reading them and put them in context, it was because I was drinking heavily because I was dealing with Joey and, and I asked her right after she said, Hey, I'm afraid to come home. I said, why am I mean to you? And she's like, no, you're not mean. It's just, I can't understand you, but they made it out. I mean, court TV said after, after they said that in court, on one of their breaks to go on break, you know, when, when they were televising my trial, they, they said, that's all you need to know. Emily, Emily Noble afraid to come home. Yeah. Well, that so makes painted that, that picture. Yeah. That's not reality, but it makes good TV. No. And that's just done. Un- fortunate part of those of any of those of any of those shows. and that's what the, the police picked that those things out i mean that's what was presented by by the prosecution as truth let's go to uh let's go to when and again matt dates dates and times are not critical here they were flushed out in the trial but you guys had a a, a nice comfortable living um in westerville in a condo in a quiet secluded area of westerville nothing for the neighbors to suspect. I mean, nothing that would indicate any, any violence. You're living a normal middle-class life. Is that fair? That's that's completely fair. Just a normal middle-class life. We had, we were quiet. Emily loved her neighbors. Um, She got along with her neighbors. I got along with all of her neighbors. Um, It was an older, kind of an older community for older people that Emily wanted to live there. Her, her, the, the condo we lived in was inherited. Her mother passed, and part of her um, part of the inheritance for her was the condo and everything in it. I mean, it was really, really, really nice. And we were quiet. We kept our music down. I mean, we still listen to music and things like that, but we were never a problem. There was never police. There was never domestic violence. There was never the police were never called to our, you know, called. It was we we couldn't have been any more quiet. We couldn't have got along with our neighbors any better. Um, so, so tell us about when you discovered her missing and take us, take us through that timeline. And, and then when you actually called the police, but tell us how you woke up. Tell us how, how this happened. We, one thing that I didn't mention in the book was that we went to Uptown Westerville on the 24th of May, 2020 um, to celebrate her birthday. COVID shut shutdowns there was nothing open i think they just started opening things back up a little bit here or there so we went after we got back from butch butchville ohio we went there to collect rainwater it was sunday 
it was her birthday, the 24th. And when we got back, Emily's like, I want to go out for drinks. I want to go down to uptown. And you I'm actually like, okay. went, you actually, I'm a, I'm a hillbilly from Southern Ohio. So you actually went to Bukdo where, where they got a natural yeah. spring. They right? do. I saw that. Really I, I, nice. I, well, I've, I've been there. So I saw that picture of you two in the book. And that was the day, yeah. that was the day you, you drove down there and that's a uh, book tools, uh, from Westfield, probably about an hour and a half, right? Yes. Drive down yeah. there, you go do your thing, you come back and then you go we got, drinking. We got dressed, we, we got dressed and we went to Uptown and there was literally no one there. There was just a couple people, usually Westerville on a Sunday on Memorial Day. It was Memorial Day, right? Or Veterans Day. It was Memorial, Memorial Day. Day. And um, so there's usually people all over the place, but there wasn't anybody around. So um, it was really quiet. We went to the the same bars we go to all the time. We went to three different ones. We walked around. Um, we got in the car. It was still light out. I think it was 7 o'clock. We went home. And uh, we got home to the, to the, uh, to the condo. And um, John Kramer, the, the um, neighbor across the street, saw us come home. He's, I think it was seven or eight was the last time he saw her outside the condo, which she was always outside the condo. She was always butterflying around. She had a little garden out there. And uh, because we'd been up so early and we had a, uh, an active day, we were over at my dad's who lives in Worthington. We did. Um, he had a garden in the back, his backyard, a big one, a really nice one. So we spent like three, four hours over there. Um, so it was a it was a long day. It was active. And uh, so we went to bed early. Um, the phone records have us stop using our phones completely at 9.30. Again, that's kind of like, I don't know if that's exactly the time, but and so we went to bed at 9.30. Um, I woke up, I say before one, but they had me back on my phone like at 1, 1.30 at some point. So it's like three and a half hours. I, 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 that's right when my book starts is when I wake up. Right. And um, I go to the bathroom like I always did at prostate problems. It's um, if you drink before you go to sleep, you're going to get up. You're only going to make it a few hours and then you got to get up, go to the bathroom, and then you go back to sleep. Um, so um, and Emily and I had a system. I mentioned it in the book, but she was real particular about sleep. So I always ended up in my in my son's room i used to when my son was alive just go out on the couch and sleep there just look through my phone just trying to get back to sleep but because uh his room was now vacant i i would go in joey's room and i spent so i went to the bathroom went into joey's room i hopped on the couch and i spent hours flipping through my phone just a normal night real quiet when this would happen at night when i would get up there wouldn't be any tv there wouldn't be any music i mean it's one two three in the morning this these when I would wake up at night. So it was always really quiet. So I would just spend spent the night like I always did in Joey's room, flipping through the right. phone. So you, didn't, so you didn't know where she was at because you didn't walk into the room. There there was um I woke up, I was I mean I was hung over. Um I was I was I mean you when you wake up you have to go to the bathroom at night, you're literally sleeping. You're in REM sleep and all of a sudden you wake up. <laughs> you have to go to the bathroom. So it's, it's like you're you're disoriented. I told them that I didn't see her. I don't know if it's a, that's a big part of the story, but when I got up and I say it in the book, I don't know if she was there or not. But I just assumed she was when 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 it was going on. Right. When it happened, I just said, "Yeah, she's eh, whatever." And she, why wouldn't she be there? She's always there. 
So I just closed the door. I went to the bathroom. I went into Joy's room and got on the couch. And eventually I fall asleep. And then when you the woke up the next up, morning and you're, and she's, yeah, woke, she's not there. Woke up the next morning and she wasn't there, which wasn't that odd. Um, but eventually it got odd. Did you, did you think she, might have, did you think she was outside? Did you think she went somewhere? Did you? I have uh, at different times. I thought different things. It just wasn't that abnormal for her not to be around until I saw her phone again after hours had gone by and she always would come in and get her phone. Eventually she wouldn't, and it wasn't anywhere for her to go. Her car was there. And for her not to come in and get her phone, that means that she's just walking around the neighborhood. That didn't make any sense to me. So the sec, when I saw her phone the second time that it literally jumped off the table, like, it, I could see it. It was that was the beginning of me being worried. I was like, oh, oh that's that's strange. Her phones, where is she? Where is she? Where is right. she? So did you we, try to call her friends? Did you? What did you do proactively? I did. He, um, he is still saying. Uh, Grubbs is still saying he's the lead. Um, now Grubbs, now let's the, the Grubbs is the 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 lead detective that that we're going to talk about, and, and at least from what I've read, we're at least I'm going to go after him um, about the investigation. But he was the guy that that put all this in motion in, in wanting to charge you. Right. So he is a police detective at the Westerville police department. He is. Correct? Okay. And he, he's, he just did a interview on law and crime, the law and crime network saying that I was not searching for Emily, that I, I was just going about my day. He knows that I was searching as soon as I got up and noticed that she was gone. Yeah. Well, all that, all that was, all that was dispelled later by what the jurors said, because there were body cam and, and, and you were vindicated on that. So whatever that guy's say, saying right now, he's full of shit. He's still saying, he, he, well, he's, he's got it. Well, he, we're going to, we're, we're going to get to him in some detail, but so you, you're, you're calling her friends. Post that on Facebook. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly who I, I'm sure I called my family. Right. But you posted um, just, on Facebook. You posted on Facebook. Yes, I posted on her Facebook because right. her phone was there. So okay. I posted okay. Facebook. All right. Did you get any kind of response? Uh, uh, nobody I, knew anything, I don't right? Know. I mean, I don't obviously, remember exactly obviously from what we know now, nobody nobody knew where she was. Right. Yeah. Right. So when did, at what point did you, Matt, decide that you got to get the police involved? Um. I don't know what time it was. I think it was the early evening. Same um, day? I, same day. Same yeah. day. So I spent, okay. I spent and you the day initi- kind of and you, you initiated the call? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. What yeah. did you say? Well, what did you say to the... I called her in missing. I said, hey, listen, my, uh, my wife's missing in there. And they asked me, you know, questions. They seem nice. Um, um, they, they asked s- me if I... Did they send somebody out immediately or did did they just take a report? They did. I mean, the response time in Westerville is unbelievably fast. It's you call the police. They're there. I mean, it was, they were, it was, I don't know, two minutes, maybe. Well, they have a lot of of police officers in Westerville. That's a subject for another. (laughs) Go ahead. Sitting around, not a lot to do in Westerville. So apparently if you need a cop in Westerville, you call, they're going to, they're Johnny on the spot. They are there. They were quick. And that's when uh, Officer Hollis showed up and um, came in, uh, and he, he it's all on YouTube, or it's all on the internet, I guess you could say, 
on the body cam footage is all there. Who put that on the internet? Uh, I have no idea. Core TV. I don't know. Okay. All right, the gonna, entire trial and all that is all. On, okay. All well, on. we're going to get to the trolls <laughs> and all of that social media bashing and that's still happening. But so they took the report. You tell them, you give them the history, what happened the day before, wore out, you wake up and she's gone. Then what happens? What happens from there? I mean, there's, there's time that goes by, right? The first day was fine as far as in like, we were just, I was still hopeful. There wasn't any reason for me to think that there was anything wrong. It just seemed like she left. Right. So you weren't thinking her you own. weren't thinking she was dead. You you thought that she may have went off the deep end. She was out there somewhere that she wasn't coming home. She right? there I wasn't mean, anything pointing to I, I mean, I knew I mean you just your your head goes right to the worst place, worst case scenario, you know. But I mean I tried to remain positive. Um, and you thought you were I, gonna find had, her. You thought you were gonna find her initially. Yeah, I mean I did. Um there was there was there was issues it was all at the time I was just focused on in on, on her being fine. Um, I didn't know exactly what was going on, but it wasn't, it was uncharacteristic of her to do something like this, but it wasn't out of the bounds of something that she could do. She would get upset and her taking off like that wouldn't be, I wouldn't put it past her. So it was like, okay, this, this is, but to think that she was, um, abducted or anything like that. That wasn't, that wasn't anything that was. Okay. Well, let's go to day. Let's go to day two. Day two is Tuesday. Um, or or no, yeah, we're going day two is Tuesday, which was 26. That's when they came with tracker dogs. Um, and a bunch of cops were around. Um, I was still okay. They were okay. They were still treating me okay. Did they tell you? Were, th- did they tell you they were coming with with the do- I, I cadaver don't dogs? How, tracking I don't dogs? remember. I don't remember that. Did I they, don't know how that worked. Okay. But there was no. There was not. There wasn't any kind of pressure. So you the didn't feel didn't at that point. You didn't feel suspicious of the cops that were honing no. in on you as a suspect. Tuesday was fine. They asked me for a phone. I gave it up. I'm like, here's their pin. Yeah, here, help me. Yeah, let's and you gave them your like, you gave them your phone with with the passcode. I, that right. was on Wednesday. Okay. That was the next day. Okay. Um, her, right. On Tuesday, it was just Tuesday was um was the tracker dogs and they went out. They got her sent and they left and we're all kind of standing there, um, waiting and they come back. And I remember seeing that tracker dog come back. And I'm trying to, you know, read, read these people, trying to figure out, you know, if that, if everything was fine or not, because I'm still, I'm worried to death. And uh, they said they lost her scent in the middle of the road. Um, so that meant to me that she got in a car and took off under okay. her own volition. Okay. She did it on logical. Okay. That's logical. I mean, who's going to, who's going to abduct someone in Westerville, Kramer Sar? Nine, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, whatever he said in the morning. Um, he so uh, who's gonna who's gonna snatch her off the streets in Westerville at, at that time of day on a Memorial Day? It's not gonna happen. She got in a car and she took off. So that's 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 what that's what that's what I thought, and that gave me hope. Really, um, suicide was always an issue. Was always there. Was a thought in my head. But that's a real tough one to deal with. It's just, it's easy just to be like, you know what? She did do it. They're just going to find her. But I'm not even going to let my mind start going there. And you can see me in the, in the, in the videotape. 
or the, the Hollis video of footage on the cam. And Hollis was the original responding officer to the. He's the original. Yeah. He's the original officer, and you see me struggling with it. You can tell. You just, I'm just like trying not to even go to the suicide route. Right. And when they went with the dogs and looked around and came back and said, "No, she's she's not around here. She got, she we lost her scent in the middle of the road." I was I was relieved. I'm like, "Oof, thank God." Um, Okay. Well, then I the, the, there's there's um there was a, a moment on Tuesday where Hollis or not Hollis Grubbs and Peachy, who's another detective, um, they were like, "We want you." They came right to me. I don't know why they did, but they came to me and they said, "We need you to take us to where she'd been foraging lately." We heard that she found a new patch of whatever she likes to forage. We need you to take us there. And I'm like okay i mean i don't know why you want to go there um it's an area that's just it's like walking down the end of your street but and coming back it's so like public has access to it there wouldn't be any reason for what she'd go up there and sit down and she would have been found if she was up there it didn't make any sense but i'm like yeah okay so i took them there and i got in her car and we drove right to the spot um, where they found her eventually four months later we just didn't go in the woods because it didn't make any sense to go in the woods um, right so we just walked the periphery of the of the woods the peripheral and um, I showed them where she'd been recently foraging and uh, as I'm standing there like walking around oh yeah this is where she comes and I explained to them what foraging was and it was a hobby of hers and like she was looking, looking for a certain wood. plant, right? She was looking for a certain. It's it yeah. It's actually called wood sorrel. It's uh um all the weeds that you don't if you don't spray your lawn with treatment, the weeds that pop up are edible. You can eat them, and they're right. all over Western. They're all over Central okay. Ohio. Is packed with them. It's, right. it's it was fun. It was a hobby that we started. We started. We picked up. And um, okay. so as I'm walking around, I'm I'm like I'm looking at the woods, and I'm like, yeah, I would hate to think someone dragged her in there i mean are you guys gonna look in there and they're like yeah well we'll definitely so i'm them i'm cooperating with them because they still seemed kind of all right did, did that, you think at that point that they were they would search the the woods and and just to give I mean, how far eventually from where you were there and showed them i'm not i'm not really good when i think of distances okay. I, I think of football field Tw- you know, well, was, it, kid, was it less than a football field i, I would say I would uh, maybe a little bit more than a football okay, field. So, maybe like a hundred. So hundred yards, hundred and twenty yards. Hundred and twenty yards, maybe. maybe Where they eventually maybe found her. Where they eventually Where they found eventually her. Found. Okay. Yeah, it was like you, if you go outside the, the condo and look down the street, you can see the house. The Did they ever the explain to you why the dogs didn't didn't pick up that scent and follow that immediately into the woods? Did they you? never explained anything to me ever. They never yeah. communicated with me. They never talked to me. They never hey, uh, I, all the things I found out was through my own work and talking to people and, and I, I have a missing person advocate friend who I, who I through this I've, I've, I've became friends okay. with and she says that the dogs don't always work right right okay so then so then Matt after day after day three when did when did uh, at what point did the cops start turning to you I remember there's one point in the book where where one of them actually you overheard them I mean talking yeah that was yeah yeah, that was tuesday that's when i started all of a sudden i'm like am i paranoid is that guy just say that you know 
Tell the listeners. Tell good. the listeners what he what what they said. Ninety five. Like within earshot. Like these. I was in my driveway and I'm talking to people, and all of a sudden these two cops come walking by me, like right next to me. You know, in this and this guy says, "Hey, you know, ninety five percent of people that go missing it ends up being their spouses that are guilty." And they just kept walking by. They walked into the condo. And so it was intentional. Like, it was intentional. He definitely did. Yeah, it's part of. It. Then I didn't know what was going on. I'm just like, did I even hear that? Why would he say that? That's weird, right? Yeah. Well, now I know that that's what cops do. That's part of their tactics when these right. these these cases come up, and that's part. Well, they try the to intimidate system. you. Uh, it's they for are a confession. They're they're trying to get you to snap. They're trying to get you to, and it's something that when it's happening to you and you don't know anything about it, you know, I never had any involvement with law enforcement. I didn't understand that that's what their thing was. Um, it was just strange. But now that, now that I've been through it, now I get all of it. I understand all. Okay. That's, this is just tactics. That's what they're doing. So Tuesday they were starting to say things and they, they were definitely making me feel strange. Like there was, they, they suspected that I wasn't telling them the truth. Um, now this is 24 hours later. Within 48 hours, the next day, um, I got, they, they said, come down to the police station, come on down. We need to talk to you. And I was like, okay, let's go. They wouldn't tell me if they found her or not. That was part of the thing. I was just worried to death. I'm like, did you find my wife? And they wouldn't tell me. They just wouldn't even answer the question. That That is they, such they would not. horse shit. They would not answer. And, and, and like I say in the book, which is, 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 they don't look at you. They won't look at you. So let's just imagine all this is going on. You're desperate. You're looking for their help. And there's 15 of these cops walking around your house and in your car and, and no one's looking at you. I'm like, why? And next thing you know, I can look at these people right in the right at them. They won't look at me. So it just became a thing where I just started staring at everybody. <laughs> it, it, it sounds odd, right? It's like a, like a movie or something. It's, you can't describe it. So um, I, they wouldn't answer me whether she was, they found her or not. So I'm like, okay. Fuck it, let's go down to the, the headquarters there or whatever. <laughs> down I went, and um, they put me in the back of a cruiser, which was locked. They drove me down the middle of Westerville, where, you know, I mean, in the middle of the day. They drove me to the back. There's cops everywhere. And they, they, they left me in the back of the cruiser. I don't know. I don't know how long. It was weird. I didn't want to be back there. You ever been in the back of a cop car before? It's no fun, but claustrophobic. I wasn't cuffed, but it was definitely apparent what they how they felt and they swipe me in the back and they bring me into an interrogation room and i'm just like whatever this is man i didn't do whatever you think i did uh they're like uh will you write a statement sure will you take a voice inflection test the lie detector test absolutely did they ask you at that point matt if you had uh, legal counsel did they ever ask you if you had legal counsel no, no, never. Once. No Miranda they, rights. No. Um, and did, I was. I did you needed ask their them, help. Did you ask them? You didn't feel you were a total suspect at that point, right? I mean, it right. became apparent, but yeah. I didn't. I was just still focused in on trying to find her, and I needed their help, so right. I didn't want to fuck that up. So I just okay. was like, "Yeah, so whatever." You're co- so you're totally you cooperating with them at this point, hundred percent. Right. You couldn't cooperate any more than what I was cooperating, okay. and they. And they took me in that interrogation room and uh, there wasn't a lot, there was a lot of it that was cut out. I don't think the uh, public knew that they accused me of murder that uh, during that uh, interrogation. That wasn't even in trial. They kept that out. 
but they accused me. They they said I failed my voice inflection test, that I was lying, which is bullshit. It's just a move that they do. Um, and then they said that they went through her text messages and there was a bunch of stuff in there that pointed to us having a bad marriage. And I'm like, where? What are you talking about? We didn't have a bad marriage. But they, they, they assured me that she she there was there was evidence in there that we had, we had a we had a bad marriage and that I killed her. And I said, well, I guess at the end of it, I was like, can I leave? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, bye. And I left. Right. My dad was out in the vestibule waiting for me. Right. Um, and then you told your dad, to did, you say, did you say to your dad, I mean, I mean, you tell him what happened. Did you say, yeah, they just I, accused he, me of killing my dad, him? Was, he, he's a great guy. He, 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 he's a salesman his whole life. And um, he's a, he's very social and uh, he could talk. And he just say, hey, can I, can I talk to you guys for a second? And I'm like, dad, you do not. He didn't realize what they'd accused me of at that point. He was just like, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's sitting so he was defending you. Let me go tell you how cool my son is and how mellow he is and how he could never do this. They were, they were, they were like, no. And three minutes talking to him, he was like, oh, my God, these guys are, they, you're it. You're it, yeah. man. They, they're saying you killed your wife. I'm like, Dad, we got to get out of here. Just, I, I told him, don't even bother talking to me. They're completely out of hand. They're just, I mean, I don't know where they're getting all this, but we need to get out of here. And at that point, and at that point, they had zero physical evidence. I mean, they didn't even have sometimes. they didn't even have circumstantial evidence because, as we know later, even if it was argued circumstantial at the point, it was all bullshit because they I would were cherry picking that. What what made you think murder so quick? Um, they said that there was Emily was um, kind of a reactionary. And the, when you know girls get together, and 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 she had mentioned to her one of her girlfriends in a text message a couple weeks prior that we were going to get a divorce. You got to just understand that was Emily, and literally two days later, not even a day later, she was our our marriage is great. It's just how she was. You had to get used to that. That's the only thing that I can think of that the police could look to and be like, hey, this guy killed his wife. Look, there's and it wasn't anything I text. There wasn't anything in my text messages that would that would lead you to believe anything. Right. But um, other than that, I don't know. You'd have to ask them, why did you think murder so quickly? Because it wasn't even 48 hours. So then so then, Matt, you go you you go get a lawyer right at this point or you seek legal counsel. At this point. I, I, I did. I um this I won't say his name because he's like the coolest lawyer in this whole story. His name is okay. Roger. He's not even a criminal defense attorney. Go ahead. Right, right. But he was helping you and he was giving you the basic advice like uh Matt, keep your mouth shut, don't talk to him. You know, I'll help you find a criminal defense lawyer. Right. I mean, he was he, I didn't pay him, he wasn't officially my lawyer, but he was just a friend of a friend and of my father's and he was very yeah, he answered my phone calls and he was my legal advisor in the beginning, but he wasn't officially my lawyer. Right. right. But then you then you eventually did you actually retain a criminal defense lawyer before they arrested you or was it after? Um no, I had um a criminal defense attorney. It was I don't know, like I said, dates. I had this civil attorney out of Worthington who wasn't a criminal defense attorney who was advising me. And eventually, this was before your um, arrest. This is way before my arrest. Okay. Yeah, this is like the first. This is the okay. first month. So from that that second day when you were in the Westfield Police Department, they accused you of murder. What was the time frame from when they formally arrested you? Like how much time passed? Oh yeah, um, they arrested me in 
June of 2001. So, which was May, it was over a year. Oh my oh, God. 13 months. Okay. I missed that in the book. I, I swear, I don't know how I missed it. I, Oops. we got to go back in the book. You might have to make a correction if I missed it. Uh, but, um, it was, uh, it was a year later. It was a year later that, that, that they arrested me. They found her four months later. Right. Okay. I think I, okay. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's go back to when they, when they found her, what did they tell you when they, when they found her? Nothing. They never got, as soon when I lawyered up, they stopped talking to me. Even he talked to me once. He called me once on the phone to harass me. Um, And um, I was talking to him on Tuesday via text. But other than that, I never heard anything. So you you found, you heard on the news, they found your wife's body? Yeah. Oh, my sister called me. She's like, hey. He's like. I don't want to laugh, but I mean, yeah. it is laughable, right? It's yeah. like, well, after everything you've been through, yeah, me. people will understand there's a, that. There's, you know, there's a, there's 15 cops a hundred yards from your house. I guess they found a body. And I'm just like, oh, no one's, it was, it was horrifying. No, there was no communication between me and, and, and the Westville Police Department. I was out of the loop from day one or not day one, but day two, day three. Right. And then, uh, and and for them to say that, oh, he never got a hold of us. He, if my wife was missing, I'd be calling them every day. Um, they never called me. Right. At once. So. So what was happening during the period from when she went missing to when they found the body? Was this, was this an issue of, is that when you were trying to declare her dead or what, 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 give me, give us some background on what was happening in that time frame. The four months that she was missing, um, the first month was me searching for her to the point of exhaustion. Mentally, it was just so stressful. Um, I had my brother and my good friend from Vegas fly in. They were there Friday. Tell us about that. Tell that us about the, the doodah parade, the, the flyers. T- tell us about that. I mean, the efforts that you made, because that's what all murders do. And they, you know, they, they, they go out and, and work their ass off trying to get flyers out to the public. That's the only, well, I, the, the advice I got from my attorney, um, the guy that was advising me, Roger, was that you can't talk to police anymore. Don't talk to the media and um, watch what you say on the phone. So that's what I was working with. I asked him, can I search for? He's like, yeah, you can search for, but don't say anything to anybody. I'm just like, okay. So that's what I was stuck with. Um, Media was out. The cops were out. So my brother flew in, my friend Art flew in, and we said, let's make flyers. She's, for all intents and purposes, she just took off. She's out there somewhere. She's probably at a friend's. Or she's hanging out somewhere. Let's just get the word out about her and maybe hopefully someone will just see her and get, get her back. So we went and made flyers at a post net and, and um, there was DML, Black Lives Matter rallies. At, uh, that's what was going on then. And you, were, so going, we and you were going there to get these flyers out. That's right. Just to talk to as many people as we can, could. It's, uh, I, used, I was using Facebook and just there wasn't anywhere to go. I spent some time outside. Of, uh, we spent that 
got 10 days searching for around what comes Arturo, Paul, and myself. Um, and we had these flyers. We just tried to uh, uh, tell as many people as we could. I mean, hey, take a picture of this flyer and put it on your Facebook and tell everybody that you know to, to put it on, to post it. I thought that was a great way to get the word out. Um, so I, we went to these Black Lives Matter rallies. And there was thousands, 10,000 people there. I don't know, 15. There was, there was people all over the place. And uh, we approached, Art and I approached all of them. You were handing, all day. literally handing out the flyers in your... We're, we're getting them to take a picture of the flyers, what it was. Okay. And then, okay. And, and then, then, oh, then have them social, put it on social media. I, that's actually a great yes. idea. I mean, that's, 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 yeah. So that's what we did. Um, uh, we, we would drive around town and just go to like, uh, homeless shelters. Um, there was, there was people coming in saying that they saw Emily and we, well, geez, yeah, where is she? Well, she's down at a homeless camp. We see her stumbling around downtown Columbus somewhere. So we would go down there to the, wherever that was, that area and just kind of like put up flyers and, uh, ended up going to some homeless camps and, uh, and, uh, you know, homeless shelters, churches, uh, fire stations, just, just anywhere, bus stops, putting up flyers. Um, we searched, we searched hard at 10 days. It was, uh, we went to two Black Lives Matters. There was another one. Black Lives Matter rallies. Um, there was another one after the one in Columbus. It was in Otterbein, which is right in Westerville. Right. Spent the day there, walking around, approached everyone, like hundreds of people, just holding up that sign. Take this picture, please, and put it on your your any social media that you can think of. Tell everybody that you know that, that just post it. Hopefully, some will see it. They'll see her, and we'll get her. We'll get her back. Right. Again, again, straight from the get go. Again, conduct indicative of a guy that killed his wife. I, I tell us about social media and what was happening with these trolls on social media. Right, right from the get go, there was there was insinuation on on um, on there was one Facebook page that a friend of hers started. They created it. They created a, fa- a. They created it, which was great. I was like, yeah, this is a great idea. That's how I got the idea. It's like that's fantastic. Everybody's flipping through their phones. Everybody's on Facebook. Here it is. Um, so, uh, I joined, I started, I mean, I kept it as pleasant as I could for as long as I could, but within the first week or two, there was just people that were saying that I had something to do with it. And it wasn't any, huh, I don't know. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of cooperation. It was just trolls saying horrible things about me. They were posting my arrest record. I'd been in trouble. I mean, when I was a kid or when I was younger, um, I had been arrested a few times. They were, they were posting that they posted that I failed my, um, lie detector test. How, where that came from, I don't know, but I'm just like, how would they even know that? <laughs> but there it was, Hey, and that's not a good thing for the public to see, to read. Hey, failed a lie detector test. Right. He must've did it. He must've been up to something. So that was, that was horrible. Yeah. There, there's, there's a lot of that type of thing coming from social media. So when and you could imagine, can you imagine? Yeah, you can imagine what that would be like to be your wife is missing and the police have just accused you of murder and they just let you go. And, and I imagine you're trying to, best to find her and it's just the stress of it. And when you'd go on social media, you would see people saying those type of things. It was 
a and nightmare. I, and I imagine that was compounded after they found the body, right? I mean, people just. Yes, more. by the time they found her, I mean, I was just, you just have to shut down emotionally. Just things are just happening and everything is completely out of your hands. It's, it's, you're just, there's nothing you can do right. If you do this, they're going to, they're going to, uh, they're going to accuse you. If you do, it doesn't matter what you do. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't say anything without these people saying that I was responsible for it. Right. So from the four months from when they found the body to the year of your arrest, what were you doing at that time, Matt, during that time? Were you, were you working or trying to work or are you, were you dealing was, with the civil um, issues? Yeah, the civil issues didn't come until after they found yeah. her. Um, the four months that she was missing, is that what you're asking? What, yeah. what was yeah. I doing? Yeah, yeah. from when they found her to up until your arrest, what were you doing? The, the first month was searching. Um, I, I wrote Crime Stoppers a $10,000 check. Someone mentioned Crime Stoppers, and they're like, hey, they can get the word out for you. You don't have to do this anymore. You don't have to find avenues to look for her. Crime Stoppers does it for you. So I was like, oh, thank God. So I wrote him a check for ten grand, and... Well, that's another that. that's another indication of a murder of uh, writing uh, crime stoppers a ten thousand dollar check but yeah go ahead another indication of what I, I, I hear that. I'm being facetious of I mean oh, okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> careful with me I've been yeah. through a lot I don't I don't know when people are kidding or not definitely kidding uh so I was like oh this guy this guy flipped on me already no 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 <laughs> Matt no. so no, let's let's jump to after they found her until you were arrested. So that was that was uh, that would have been a six seventh month period, right? Say that again. From when they found her body to you were arrested, another six or seven months passed. Yes, right. That was. Um, That's what I'm asking you. What were you doing? What were you doing during that period of time? What were you doing? Oh, waiting for her death certificate so I could probate her will. Right. That's what I was doing. I mean, you're, my wife died. You need. She, this is her will. She left you everything. Um, you need to do the things a husband needs to do. Um, you need to get her remains processed. You need to put her, put her to rest. You need to probate her will. Right. And and then you could get out of this area. So you, you would deal with anyone. I, and there was there was no. They never. They never produced uh, a death certificate, so I could do that. Okay. So. So I was just waiting. Okay, now this is this is important the overall story, but and it, it's somewhat morbid. But did you make an effort to uh, secure the remains, or did you have any communication about how you were going to handle the the dealing with the remains? I held, I hired attorneys, and I just figured they would take care of it. I asked them, I was like, "What's taking so long? Why is this taking so long?" They're like, "Well, uh, autopsies can take up." To, you know, months and months. So just sit, sit back, sit, just take it easy. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we got you. I was, I was assured that everything was being taken care of. So I just waited and I did, should I have been more proactive? Yeah, sure. I guess I could have, but I didn't know. I had no idea. So I just waited. I just stayed home in, in, in the condo waiting for them to release her remains. And in nine months, nine months of sitting around in that condo, um, waiting so I can just get on with my life, which you can't. They're they're not allowing that to happen, and that was part of the immense amount of pressure that I was under. It was just something you can't explain. Them not the police not reaching out to me, being like, "Hey, 
you know, um, this is this is where the investigation is. This is what's going on. None of that. It was just complete silence from them. I had lawyers so you, me. But but they weren't even telling the lawyers, let alone you. Did they even tell you where, where her remains were? I mean, no, were they in a no, lab? They were they, when I say they, they didn't tell me anything, they literally didn't tell me anything. The only thing that happened during those months while I was waiting was that they gave a picture of the USB cord that, my, that Emily used to hang herself with. They wanted me to look at it. And... I just consider that more pressure. They just wanted me to see it for some odd reason. My lawyer didn't think anything of it. He's like, do you recognize this cord? And I'm like, I don't know what that is. It's a USB cord. It looks like any other USB cord. I mean, I didn't understand why they were doing it. So they didn't even tell you. Now they, they, they didn't come to you and say, here's the USB cord that we found around her neck when, when she they gave, died. They gave it to my attorney. My attorney okay. showed it to me. Okay. But did they did they just bust my balls? They were busting my balls. Is what they were doing. They were just trying to add, you know, here, let's fuck with them today. What can we do to Matt today to make them, okay. you know, here, let's do this to him. Let's right. make him look at the cord, make him think about it for a while. It's nonsense, garden. So, so even from from the time they found the body to the, they arrested you, you you there was no estate settled. There was no you you didn't have possession of her remains. And right. you, you were just was, going on to life as best you could. So did they give you a heads up that to the, to the attorney that they were going to rescue? Did they give you a chance to turn yourself in? How did the, uh, I, I know the answer to this. I want you to tell the audience because it, it's just crazy. It is just crazy how they arrested you. The actual arrest itself. So yeah. Tell the story. Tell the story. Yeah. Man. It's I, I, I was, it's my contention that it was staged. It was they, they, at the at the press conference. The, um, the chief of police said it was during a traffic stop, making it seem like it was just like he was speeding and we pulled him over. And I don't even know why they would be like that. But no, they they coordinated this thing to make make it look a certain way, like I was a dangerous guy. I was just pulling out of my driveway. I'd gotten a part time job with a. With a at a garage just to do something and it was it was silly so they knew when i would leave when i go when i would drive to work so they were following you uh, intending to arrest you and take you down even though you'd been free for over a year yes they made a big deal out of it and it's 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 hard to like tell explain why all this happened you have to read the book and there's a lot in the in the book that like um leaves you to have to figure it out for yourself. It's really common. Why would they leave me out a potential murder? How many, how many cops when you were handcuffed, how many cops were, were there when they were, when they were taking you down again, 10 10 or 15, being being free, being free for over a year when they were taking you down, when they could have actually walked up to your house and had you come out. I mean, right. And they called me. I would have just came down. Right. Hey, we got a warrant here for your arrest. Come on down. Where was that going to go? What was that going to do? They made a big to do out of it. It was, you know, the ski masks, the the helmets, the fucking fatigues, the, 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 the assault rifles. How far were you away? The the assault rifles always kill me on this stuff. They do. I, I mean, we've become such a militarized police, but you, how far from your house did they take you down? It was right down the end of the road. Okay. You know, okay. But they could have taken you down right in front of your house, right? You didn't even have to get in your car. They could I mean, you, came back they, on the they were, they were surveilling you. They could, when you walked to your car, they could have done their Gestapo, Gestapo stuff and, 
they were timing things for weeks prior. I saw them. I knew I knew there was heat. You could just feel it. You're like looking around. You're like, oh, what is that? You know, so it was a, I, 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 the guy across the street, John Kramer, I saw him that day. I'm like, he's there's something different about him. He's he knew I was going to get arrested. Do you think uh, they, they the were guy talking to him? Like, do you think they were talking? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, I don't. I can't prove it, but I I know he how that dude looked. I see him every day. I just yeah. knew him. Okay. And that day, he was like, "Fuck you! You're about to get arrested." Okay. Well, <laughs> man, I, cool. I I think we've come to a perfect uh, perfect stopping point for episode one because what where I want to start with with episode two is is the perp walk, and I want to go through this this criminal process, which is still. It's just so unbelievable. I'm not even sure. You know, I do a summary, man, at the end of these analyzing the legal issues. I, I'm not even sure I can summarize what happened to you, which is what we're going to talk about in episode two. Seventeen summers ago.